Seahawks Weekly. We are here. What a fantastic crowd. Good to see everyone here. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar right here in Bellevue Square. Tonight's guest at 8 o'clock will be Quentin Jefferson, defensive lineman for your Seattle Seahawks. He'll join us right here at 8 o'clock. So if you're driving around, this is your opportunity to come on by because we've got a lot of Seahawks football to talk about. Nothing better than being here at Seahawks Weekly. I want to big thank you to our sponsors, Harrison Stillings, Best Number 12 Vodka, Legendary Donuts, and Muckleshoot Bingo. And I'm G. Scott, and the best of the best is right here in Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. Fellas, what you know good? Well, I'll tell you what. We know good that the Seahawks are contenders. Uh, that, that was, uh, I, I don't want to say it was surprising, but that win over Philly has entirely changed how I think about this team really? going forward. Yes, because, and I think if, you would, if there was one theme from that game, well, two. First would be Russell's fast start and the offense getting going in the first half. 10-3 lead at halftime. I thought that was instrumental for this offense. The other thing is the depth on defense. And, and Sheldon Richardson and some of the acquisitions this year, and Pete, Pete this, uh, this week talked about John Schneider being relentless in getting depth in here. Justin Coleman, just three guys I'll throw at you. Sheldon Richardson that they traded for, he had a monster game. If you look at that first drive of the third quarter, not only did he cause the fumble that went out of the back of the end zone, I think my count was he threw four offensive linemen to the ground, just chucked them. And he was just, and I thought that was the thing. They sort of softened up that Philly offense as they went along. Bradley McDougal is a great cover safety, really good. And then the other guy is Justin Coleman. He got the sack, but he just does all the dirty work. He does things right. And so that's the difference between this year and last year, that when guys started to get hurt last year, uh, the defense suffered a little bit this year. I think those guys are fitting right in. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's evident. You know, when you lose uh, Sherman and, and Cam Chancellor, and, you know, again, it's not that it, it doesn't hurt, but I, I almost feel like the depth of this team, it, it makes everybody else's game rise. I, I really believe everybody knows their role right now. Um, whether that's going to be good enough or not, it would still be played out here in the next few weeks. But offensively, I think we're set at offensive line. We're protecting very well. We are getting closer and closer in that running game, and it helps to have Mike Davis actually make, make people miss as well. But I would mentioned earlier, we were having a time two or three guys in the offensive line blow something, you know, either assignment or just getting physically beat up. Now it's one guy who just maybe their technique's not quite right and someone's sliding off and making it a play. But there, 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 there are plays to be had there. It's going to be efficient enough. Like, again, I don't think we're rushing for 150 yards against Jacksonville and the Rams coming up. But it's efficient enough, and, and we're, we're a passing team. So I think the depth is there. I will say this, you know, for our, our 12s who are here, man, were they there last yes. week. It, that was unbelievable. We, we sit in the press box, and it's very sterile. They got really thick glass, and, and it's, we can hear a murmur of the crowd, but it felt like we were outside in the, in the press box. I mean, it was that loud, and that was, uh, it's got to be one of the top three, four games all time for, for loudness and, and got them pumped up, and uh, it was good to see. I'm not that high. I'm not that low like you two guys get. <clears throat> oh, you two get. <clears throat> This was a good I'm win. I'm proud to be with you, G. No, I do. It's okay. I, you know, well, I mean, I mean just, uh, you guys get very we were, high, very low. We were <laughs> high last Thursday. You guys get very high, very low. I'm, we do, we do. I just, yeah, you're I'm right just about messing that. with you're them. Right. You're right about that. 
but make sure we look, know what high means. It, what I mean is, uh, we won last week. Now we're we're there. Um, we played a really good game. We, we didn't turn the ball over. Uh, we played a team that was very good on both sides of the ball, and I thought we made them look average. But there were three plays. What that really game came down to was we made more plays than they did. Yeah. And they made some mistakes uh, that could have made that game much, much closer. Regular season wins. Was that one of the most impressive regular season wins under the belt of Pete Carroll? That's a good question. Uh, go back to 2012. They beat the Patriots. The Patriot game last year. Last yeah, year. Was, was, was very, very yes, impressive. It was. Uh, I'll go to New Orleans in 2013 when they came in here. How are we going to handle Daryl Sproles and Darren Sproles and, uh, and Jimmy Graham? And uh, they, they handled him and actually blew out the Saints. So, yeah, that was huge. It was, it was really important that they get that win. It was the first complete game that the Seahawks had played this year. And that, that's kind of putting a lot of pressure on the Seahawks. But, you know, you look at Houston, I mean, offensively, that was a really good game. They scored 41 points, but you gave up 500 yards and 38 points on defense. Yeah. And then, you know, that was you look at... a fun game. Yeah, but, like, the Giants game, you know, you had a great special team game in that one, and you had a really good performance in the second half by the offense, but not a good performance in the first half. And so, yeah, it's just been kind of... We've not seen that complete game played by this team until last week. That was, uh, I think... Five years from now, G, we'll talk, be talking about this I game and, and how well, good that was. I agree. We, we haven't been an underdog at home, you know, in five, six years, right? So from that standpoint, yeah, it was the, the number one team in the league at the time. So, yeah. Second time beating the number one team in the league at the time. Rams earlier in the year, they were number one. <laughs> okay. No, no, I got this, you. Oh, you're talking about offense. I'm talking offense. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, and we and we shut them down, and yeah. no question. You know, look, there were some big wins. I, I remember when Russell Wilson went against Tom Brady here and Aaron Rodgers, and then he, we had uh, – he beat every Super Bowl-winning quarterback yeah. for like six games. And so we've had some big wins, but that was a big one because I. it was huge – if we win this Sunday. There's three things I want you guys to help me with. I, I got you on that. We're going to come back to that. There's three things I need you guys' expertise and help with. Here's one. Daryl Bevel. Can you explain to us what it is that we're seeing out of Daryl Bevel this year? Well, I, I think that he's done a really good job of making little variations, just little wrinkles and things. And so I'll just cite a couple of things. And a couple of weeks ago we talked about the slant to Jimmy Graham, you know, motioning away so you get him isolated, and then you throw a slant. And then, and then this week, and we're going to talk about this play later, the back shoulder throw to Jimmy Graham. And so I thought that was great. The first play of the game, of the, of the Eagle game, they ran a read option where Nick Vanette came in motion, and it, it was just run so well. And I, I just thought that was such a great little wrinkle. There was a, a, a time when... I think it was 2012, 13 maybe, where they were running the read option and they had all kinds of variations off of it. They would throw a pass off of it. They would, one time, I remember Russell faked the ball to, to Marshawn and then followed him up inside the hole. And this was one where they, they motion Nick Vanette across and he lets the guy go because he read that it was the running back. And now all of a sudden, Russell has a lead blocker up. He picks up seven yards on that very first play. So, yes, Daryl Bevel has done, I think, a really good job of 
putting little wrinkles in things and sort of adjusting and figuring out how to how to make plays work. And yeah, so I mean, he's like Daryl Bevel's like an offensive lineman. You only talk about him when you they get it. beat. Right, you know and it. so, and I, I think that it's it's a good time to mention that he has done a really Absolutely. good job of making some little variations. Well, there. think about you've got a head coach that says you're going to run it, you're going to run it, yeah. and you know, five years ago where you know we were running at sixty plus percent of the time, so to think about every coach, every team goes into the season thinking this is who we are, this is what our identity is, or this is our philosophy. And then all of a sudden you get into the season, you go, huh, that, that's not going to work. And so you're making changes on the fly. And, you know, the, and we'll talk about some of the little tweaks he does. I, I think it's, it's not only psychologically masterful, because he's got to, you know, we've got Pete Carroll. You're, you're going to run the football. Right. And he's going, no, we, we can't run it. Uh, we, right. We've got to find ways to move the ball other ways. So I think it's been great. I mean, particularly where we are from a ranking and we're getting better offensively. Uh, I, I think he's done a phenom- phenomenal job. Here's number two, and I'll start with you, Paul. Another thing folks were negative about, Jimmy Graham. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Can't believe they made the trade. He's got nine touchdowns in the last eight games. What are we seeing out of Jimmy? <laughs> uh, he, he, he makes touchdowns, uh, and they're going to him a lot. Uh, we're we're going to talk about this one play at 730. The, the degree of difficulty on this play yeah. that they do is – uh, I guess in diving, you know, 3.7 is like the highest degree of difficulty you can get on diving. Um, and it was a 3.7. I've never seen that before. <laughs> really? Football compared to diving. I just thought I'd throw Very it nice out there. I, know it. I don't know I what the high was, number is. I'll probably I get think it was down. good. I think that was good. I don't know what the numbers are either, but, hey, I like That's the way the first time in radio history. That's been that was, It was a high Divers degree of difficulty. Compared to football players. And, you know, again, I just think it's now it's, this is our identity, right? I mean, it's so great when you know your role. Oh. And, and that's where the Seahawks are. They're just Everybody knows it, and it's so fun to come to practice and go to a game and not worry about having to do everything. I just got to do my role. All right. Here's number three. Another thing that everybody was negative on at the beginning of the year, the offensive line, Dave Wyman, and what it is that we're seeing, Russell, I feel like, is being protected, particularly on that touch. Oh, it wasn't a touchdown because Doug Baldwin didn't get in. Right. But you can clearly see where Russell steps back the blitz coming, and he trusts his offensive line in that moment to hit Doug Baldwin on that strike. Offensive line, what are we seeing there? Well, you mentioned a key word there, and that's trust, because there have been times where Russell has deserted the pocket yeah. at times, and but you can understand why, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, I was looking at Calais Campbell, and amazing defensive tackle for uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think he's third in sacks in the league right now. He's got 12 and a half. But the quarterback that he sacked the most is Russell Wilson, five and a half times. So Russell has been sacked. And so you can understand why he deserts the pocket at times. But now he's starting to trust, as you said. And I think that the offensive line has done a great job of blocking, pass blocking. And they're starting to get it with the run game as well. So you got you brought Dwayne Brown in here. You got some young guys like Posick that are starting to get it. So that was uh, that was really nice to see. And I think Russell is is starting to to be able to trust those guys and and just know that he can stay in the pot. Remember 2015, we had that seven game streak mm, or six mm. game streak where he's sitting in the pocket and he was like you know Tom Brady type of quarterback. He wasn't bailing out and stuff. So 
The other thing I think that's it's really hard for Russell, and this is not so much a commentary on the offensive line, but if you have that kind of athletic ability, it's probably tempting to try to use it on every play almost. So, But you've got to be disciplined and stay in there, and he's starting to do that. And you mentioned, Paul, I mean, that was, that was a great throw, back shoulder throw to Jimmy Graham. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's starting to sort of believe in that offensive line. Yeah, I, I think you guys hit on a couple key points to that, too, because two weeks ago there was times the pocket was there and he didn't trust it. And then a week ago he trusted a little bit more, but not 100%. Last week he did. And there are times, and a simple one, I'll go back to Jimmy Grand, you know, back shoulder throw, high you know, degree of difficulty. That lane they gave him to throw where he could just set his feet and step into that throw, because to, th- to make that throw, you have to have perfect technique. That was a hard throw. I, I wish everybody could see it when we show it later. Extremely difficult throw. And Dwayne Brown pushed his guy out. They double-teamed the tackle. Russell had all the trust in the world, and we're seeing more of that, which has been awesome. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly. If you're rolling around right now, coming up at 8 o'clock, Quentin Jefferson, defensive lineman for the Seahawks, will join us right here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And coming up at 7.30, we're going to go into the film room with Paul Moyer and Dave Wyman to break down about three plays. I just got a whole bunch of questions for you guys because I got this list. I had folks email. They said, if you're going to be talking to Paul Moyer and Dave Wyman, ask all these questions. The month of December... It seems like over the years, the Seahawks play very well in the month of December. Why? I think it's because they're having fun and that they're creating a a fun atmosphere and there's adrenaline that's that's happening. And the other day, we did a couple of interviews on on Monday, and that was the day when they put together the highlight film and they play the music and they're all in there. And I was the only guy in the media room, which is right next door to the team room. And you could hear, you know, first of all, they're shooting baskets in there. And then, you know, they put the highlight film on. Paul, you remember this. When you're on the highlight film or if Chuck Knox mentioned you in a play that you made, man, I mean, I think, look, all NFL players are show-offs. Remember when you were a little kid, you're a show-off. You yep. want to say, hey, watch this, watch this. I mean, those, that's the, the mentality with players. And so Pete does a great job of spotlighting that. And I think he makes it fun. That has to be, in my mind, the reason why. Because how do you explain his record late in the season? I mean, look, November, December, it's a grind. You start to get beat down. And he makes it just a fun atmosphere. And, you know, Luke Wilson, guys like that, I mean, they're just creating something that's fun. It's, it's adrenaline. Everybody's in on it. Everybody uh, it gets in the zone. I just think that that is something that maybe it's a, a little bit sort of hokey you can't really put your finger on it you know that it's i got but you know i'll tell you this good example would be playing in the kingdom when the crowd was really loud and you got so much adrenaline that you didn't even feel hits and so i feel like that's what he's creating there and that he's getting that sort of enthusiasm out of these guys which is hard to do. Look, I mean, you got guys that are getting paid millions of dollars, and it gets to be a grind later on in the season. And these guys are inspired, I think, is the best way to put it. Pete inspires those guys to play late in the season. Uh, Russell Wilson, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, um, <laughs> players. You know, they, they, look, they, they've got good players. They, and not just good players, they have the, the mentality to it. 
Okay. And I, I'll put it, you know, and to me it's Schneider on that, and then it's all the stuff that Dave just said too. I get there, and it is such a grind. There's something Pete does that is magical that makes them whatever it is. You know, I mean, either keeps them fresh, um, makes them excited to go out. Obviously, the twelves, you know, and Century Link, that's a big factor too because we're so good at home, and particularly at the end of the year. Um, I don't think you put that that finger on it, but. Uh, I think it's all of it, and, and enjoy it. Enjoy it while we can. I, I like that he used magical. Because I, yeah, I, I thought too. I was getting a little bit too hokey there, talking about no. Yeah, but no. I so, well, so I'm obviously. watching the, the Bellevue Parade people come, and it's magical. Yeah. In fact, you guys should be here, right yeah. here at the Pearl Bar, Bar and Grill, and, and watching that, and then coming back in here. Well, speaking of, you're talking magical. Before I get to my next question, I, I just have to ask a little bit further. Is that not a common thing? with other teams in the NFL, that magical moment, something special that they do to keep these guys motivated and energized. Paul, you said players, but don't other teams have players? Yeah, but I, there's still there's some guys who just, look, let's go look at Russell Wilson. You know, six years ago, people say, oh, he's fake. Well, for six years, the guy hasn't blinked. You, you can't fake that. That's who he is, right? The guy gets up and he thinks about football and, and Earl Thomas. Who crazy? Exactly. So it, it is players, but part of it's Pete too now, right? I, look, we were seven nine one year, and he got them fired up to go be probably Thanks. one of the best teams. So there's something about the guy at the end of the year for the prize. So I think it's it's a lot of it. Yeah, Pete is well, and I'm glad you mentioned the players because look, going into that game last week, and you heard it. When, once don't KJ on Wright, <laughs> once KJ Wright said, "Don't sleep on us," I was like, "Oh, I think they got him now." Yep, yep. And so <laughs> you got to get that, and you know that may again sound. Let me ask you this: a Doug, little bit hokey. Doug Baldwin's no uh, Larry Fitzgerald. How's that going to play the, 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 out? The Jalen yeah. Ramsey. Uh -huh. Sure. Okay. Well, that, that's great. Just to get that Keep started. That stuff coming. <laughs> yeah. So Jalen Ramsey, you know, popping off, and people have compared him to. A younger Richard Sherman at the time. He's pretty and good. I, we talked to a guy in Jacksonville, and he, uh, he he mentioned the "You Mad Bro" game because that was kind of the the matchup that all of a sudden the Seahawks were on the spotlight because of you know beating Tom Brady and, and the Patriots. But yeah, I just think Pete. I mean, you look around the league and look. I think m there's a lot of good coaching. There's no question. But I mean, Ben McAdoo maybe a poor example. He just got fired by the Giants, but. Uh, do you think he's inspiring guys? Do you think he's – no, he's not. And that's what Pete – I mean, here he is, the oldest coach in the league. He's always – he never has a bad day. He always creates a good environment. He always creates something. He finds an edge. And that's what being a coach is about in the NFL. I mean, most guys know the X's and O's and the technique. It's what – being a good coach is getting the best out of your players. Yeah. And that that's what I think that Pete does, and that's the difference. So – that's uh, to answer your question. I, I think Pete's the difference in that case. And you know what? <laughs> the stats bear out as far as his record late in the season. We're move the Seahawks are moving on to Jacksonville. They fly out Friday, getting into town, a little late at night on Friday night, over into Jacksonville. You have a Jacksonville team that isn't like yesterday. And when I mean yesterday, I mean last year. Even Jalen Ramsey says it in his little rant. They're not the same team anymore. They're eight and four. Seahawks are eight and four. They don't have a very good quarterback, but a sustainable quarterback, but an excellent defense. Paul, you break down the film all the time. 
right now, what is standing out to you about Jacksonville? Well, I, first of all, they are the head scratchingest team. I, they are the hardest team to figure out. I mean, they get beat by Arizona on Arizona after a four-game winning streak. They blow out Pittsburgh. Uh, they get thumped by Tennessee. I mean, they're all over the map. Um, I wrote in my note, I said, are they fool's gold? And, and the reason why I wrote that is some of their stats are very misleading. Uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, Fournette is averaging four yards a carry. He has two rushes, one for 90, the other one for 75. You take those two rushes out, he's averaging 3.2 yards a carry. Everybody said he's having a great year. I go, I'm not saying he's not a great bet. You can't take those back because one thing they do have, they have a lot of big plays in the running game, 58 yards, 58 yards, 75, 90. We don't have anything like that in the running game. Right. Defensively, you take out Indianapolis and Cleveland, eh, they played Indianapolis twice and, you know, shut them out once. And they have 20, they had 10 sacks in one game against Indianapolis, 10 against Houston. Right. You take out two games, that's 20 sacks. You take out really three teams, 30 sacks. 30 of their 45 sacks come three teams. I'm like, okay, but they are good. They're, they're not like Philadelphia last week where I go, wow, Philly is so disciplined in what they did. These guys aren't as disciplined. They're young. They're flying around. They really, you know, I don't care if I make a mistake. I'm going to make a play. Um, so they're good. They're just hard to figure out. I just can't see him beating us because Bortles is, he's not good. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think he's being disrespected a little bit too much. Mm -mm. Uh, mm -mm. He's got 12 touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, he's got 14 Zero and interceptions. Eight. Go ahead and look at his other stats. Yeah. And, it's, it, and his throws well, sometimes, look, Dave, let's are define hideous. It. Let's define it, though. I mean, I just hear a lot of people treating him like garbage. And I'm like, you just don't do that in the NFL. I, I can't but, say that. You're right. Any NFL quarterback is good. Is good, right. So I have to make that so, relevant. But, but I would say this, you know. You're talking about fool's gold, which I think is a very good point. I love their linebackers. I love watching them play. Telvin Smith, I mean, if he's ready to go, he, he is one of the best. And if you look at the Jags and their press release, you know, he's, he's right up there over the last four years as far as interceptions, things like that. But if you take away their running game, and here's the thing, their running game is kind of crumbling right now a little bit. They've had their two lowest outputs. And two weeks ago against Arizona, the leading rusher was – Blake Bortles, yeah. the quarterback. So, run. you know, if you can take Fournette away, I will take my chances with this defense against Blake Bortles. They're well coached, though, G. I mean, the one thing about them is, you know, you're watching them, watching I go, God, what are they? You know, it's they're usually you watch a couple films. I go, got it. I watch a couple films of them, and I go, I don't have it. I, I'm not sure what it is. I do know you got to take the running game away, put it in the, the hands of, of Bortles. But guess what? Then all of a sudden, they find the mismatch they want. And he's, he's thrown three horrible throws in a row, and all of a sudden, he's got their big, tall wide receiver in a one-on-one -on -one fade. He hits it. And I go, okay, well, I get it. So big plays, turnovers. If we don't turn the ball over, we're winning this game. I, I can only, only got time for a yes or no, but when you hear Jalen Ramsey talk, I know it's easy to say, oh, you messed up now. Is there a part of you that kind of thinks that the rest of his teammates – feel the way Jalen Ramsey does, meaning the rest of them are like, we're ready for you, Seahawks. Like, it, it reminds me of a Richard Sherman-ish type of attitude. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you think, media, fans. I'm going to say what I want. Yeah, I, 
I would say yes. Uh, it does. It worries me a little bit just because I feel like they are who the Seahawks were back then. Yes. And they're going to play with that chip on their shoulder, and they've got something to prove in this game. So, and I, I think that we have, one, like I said, one complete game. That's the part that, that worries me. But I'm with Paul that I do not see Jacksonville beating this team. I think it's, we're ready for you, Seahawks? A I, question? Was that an exclamation or a question? You, 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 you I think Ramsey. I think, look, you, I think they got a five dog. or six guys a, on defense that. Yeah, woo, I love it. Ra- Ramsey, love Ramsey's a dog. Yeah. But I don't think their offense is going, we're ready for you, Seahawks. The conversation <laughs> is cooking right now. I can already tell you. We got at 745, the professor, John Clayton, he will join us. But up next, we go inside the film room with Paul Moy and Dave Wyman. Break down three plays. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly. Oh, Seahawks Weekly, it's officially lit up here in Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar right here in the heart of downtown Bellevue. Coming up at 745, we got the professor, John Clayton, I call him JC, he will join the show, but uh, right now, we're going to go inside the film room and nerd out a little bit with a little bit of football. This play right here, you've been talking about this, you guys have been, especially you, Paul, let's go over Jimmy Graham's first quarter touchdown. Davis, the single setback. Graham slots on the left side. Russell takes the shotgun snap. Four-man rush. Russell looks. Back of the end zone. It's caught by Jimmy Graham. Touchdown, Seahawks. In the front near corner of the end zone. As perfect a timing pass from Russell Wilson, as you will see. And Jimmy Graham spins around and makes the catch. An 11-yard score. And the Seahawks take a 9-0 lead over the team with the best record in professional football. Yeah, what they've been doing the last couple weeks, and while Bevel's been getting some praise for this, is what they're doing with Jimmy Graham. One is, you know, we've been seeing a lot of the jump balls, you know, just the alley-oop to him, and and they've gotten better at that. And then all of a sudden we have a a backdoor where he's out by himself. You know, it's one-on-one. That's where most backdoor shoulder throws come from. And they know if you're impressed, here's how I'm going to make the play. And if you're off, here's how I'm going to make the play. What they did on this particular play i said play four times but they they motioned jimmy graham to his left put him in a slot look and he ran what we call a slant and go or a sluggo off of a, i'm not sure if that was paul richardson down there the reason why this the degree of difficulty difficulty on this is so so great is he had to get the timing of the slant and go and russell wilson had to time that that is that's a tough throw and when you look at when he threw it, I mean, the ball is out before Jimmy even really looks back for it. And it was put in only one place and only one place only. And that was Jimmy Graham was going to catch it. So they're doing some really cool things. Obviously, the confidence and the chemistry between, you know, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham is there. Good protection on this play allowed Russell to, to deliver it. But just an out and up. You know, the one thing I was looking at that play. Thank God they didn't get called for offensive pass interference because Doug runs kind of a little pick route inside, and it's just ridiculous the number of times they've gotten called for offensive pass interference. But I just, this is why we're all going to look at Jimmy Graham totally differently at the end of this season. Going into the season, and look, he didn't have a touchdown in the first four games. I think a lot of people are like, why did we even get this guy in here? Now you see, the one thing I know about John Schneider is that he really values 
special players. Percy Harvin. I'm sorry. I don't want to bring it up, but uh, Percy Harvin was a special player. He did things that nobody else can do. Jimmy Graham is that same type of guy. He does things that no one else can do. And now you see Daryl Bevel and, and Russell Wilson himself also just being able to use it. We've seen a slant. We've seen the jump ball. We've seen the jump ball where it goes down low. And now the back shoulder throw. They're finally sort of unlocking Jimmy Graham's talent. Here's the next one we're going to go over. This one right here you've been talking about. You love, you guys love defense. Let's go over Carson Wentz's fumble right there at the goal line caused by Sheldon Richardson. Wentz from the shotgun, a slot to the far side. The handoff to Blunt. No, it's a play fake, and Wentz keeps it, and he fights his way. He fumbles the ball in the end zone. It's out of the back of the end zone. Did Wentz cross the goal line with the ball in his possession, or did he fumble it? I think he fumbled it. It's a touchback, and the Seahawks are going to get it out to the 20-yard line. I thought the hero on this play, you know, of course, was, was Sheldon Richardson. But, you know, if you see, they were trying to wash down the Seahawks defense, and Sheldon Richardson found himself in a situation where he two-gapped the tackle. He just took him, and, and not many guys can do that. You know, probably Calais Campbell, Cortez Kennedy. Two gap for our people. Yeah, here. so t- yeah, I was about to. Okay. And then you interrupted. Well, me. I just thought you'd get I'm to kidding. it quicker. No. <laughs> <laughs> two gap is you take a guy right down the middle, a blocker, and you control both sides of him. If the ball goes inside, then you are making the tackle there. If he goes outside, because a lot of times you see guys slanting to gaps, and it's like I got this gap, he has that gap. You're controlling two gaps. It's hard to do, and especially against a 320, 30-pound man, and that's what he does to Lane Johnson, the, the right tackle for, for the, the Eagles. And what he does, and on this drive already, Sheldon Richardson had thrown down offensive linemen like four times. He has this club move where he just knocks guys down, and he's not that big of a guy, but he takes the guy straight up, sort of two gaps, and at the very end, he slings Johnson to the side and then he's able to get his arm in there and knock the ball out and I thought at that point I mean that was by far the biggest play of the game because now that's going to be 10-10 instead that the Seahawks offense gets the gets the ball back they go 80 yards and it's 17-3 instead of 10-10 yeah I thought there was three guys on this play you know Frank Clark um he had a lot of space he, he he's got Carson Wentz that's his responsibility is they, they Dave just said, you know, they, they washed our, our, our defensive tackles down. So now there's about a five-yard gap that Frank Clark has to cover. And he's a little nervous that Carson Wentz is going to beat him to the outside. So he takes a little step to the outside. So now there's like a six-yard gap. And, you know, as he mentioned, Sheldon Richardson comes back out. But Frank hustles back and closes that gap too. And Earl Thomas also, who's back and about five, six yards outside. So they had three guys, and they always say we're going to defend every blade of synthetic grass. I just threw the synthetic in there. Give, but, me, give me a blade of grass, and I'll defend it. And there was three guys doing that, and that, that's why it wasn't luck. It wasn't that Sheldon Richardson just got his hand in there. I think if it was just Sheldon on his own, yeah. I, I think he doesn't fumble the ball. I think he slides a little bit out wider away from Sheldon than that. But because Frank's crashing on the outside, Earl's crashing as well. Now he can't get away from Sheldon. So that was just, again, I think that's just the 
the personality of the Seahawks defense that play. We got about two to three minutes to explain this one, and I don't know how in the world. Whoever the linebacker was that was covering J.D. McKissick on this <laughs> touchdown, he cannot go too. home and face his mommy and daddy. I'm telling you, J.D. McKissick's ankle-breaking touchdown. McKissick wide to the far side. Jimmy Graham wide to the near side. Russell empty backfield. Eagles look like they want to rush four. They do. Russell takes the time, looks over the top. He's got a man, McKissick. Touchdown, Seahawks. McKissick was one-on-one, -on -one, I believe, with the linebacker Kendricks on the far side. A little slant and go, and he threw it. Did Russell right over the top. 15 yards. The Seahawks go on top, 23 to 10. Dave Wyman, as a linebacker, can you please tell me what it is that linebacker is thinking when J.D. McKissick is coming his way, man? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. And look, I don't, mind, I don't mind killing this guy because he went to Cal. And I'm a Stanford guy, so. And he's know, a really good linebacker. Kendrick, yeah, I know. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you know, you just you look at plays like that. There are times when the Seahawks, even when they do it to a player, you know, I'm like, oh, I feel sorry for you, man. And that was one of those. He jumped it. And, you know, look, I think he is a good linebacker. I just don't know that that was sound having him defend him. But there's another great designed play. And I just think I'm not trying to pump up Daryl Bevel or anything like that. It's just that. Go ahead. He know, needs it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that he only gets called out when things don't work. But when things work, you just think, oh, wow, that guy made a great play. But that was a really well designed. They got him isolated. J.D. McKissick has an unbelievable fast twitch in his muscles, man. I mean, he is just able to make people miss. And you see that play right there. It was pretty easy for Russell just throw it up for him. But J.D. McKissick. Mike Davis, those two guys are, are similar to me, and uh, I just loved seeing that. Did you see his celebration afterwards? He did, like, the meditation thing where he sat cross-legged and yeah. put his, put his uh, fingers together. You should try that. Yeah, I do need that, You Paul. do. I yeah. can never attain inner peace, though. We out-coached them on that play. Oh. Bottom line. Oh. And, and by the way, if, when you lose a game like that, mm -hmm. when they go in the film room, every guy who watched that on defense goes, yeah, that would happen to me, too, because it was that good of a route. It was Ooh. that good of a route. You win the game, you get busted. Okay, fair enough. Hey, coming up at 8 o'clock, we got Q. They call him, oh, excuse me, Quentin Richardson. Quentin Jefferson is going to be here. I just Quentin's that a good one. basketball player. He is. I you, got remember, you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah you just put two defensive linemen sure together. I sure did. <laughs> Quentin Jefferson is going to be joining us right here live at, at Seafood, at Pearl Seafood in North Shabar. Up next, the professor, John Clayton. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly. Everybody, you're listening to Seahawks Weekly right here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, right in the heart of downtown Bellevue. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we got Quentin Jefferson, Seahawks defensive lineman. He's going to join us right here on stage. So if you're driving around, come on down. We got a fun crowd, good looking crowd that's here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. Big thank you to our sponsors, Harrison Stillings, Bash Number 12 Vodka, Legendary Donuts, and of course, Muckle Shoot Bingo. Right now, joining us on the phone, the professor, John Clayton. JC, what you know good, my man? What's going on? Oh, man, we're just having fun talking Seahawks football. What do you think about the Thursday night game going on right now, my man? I'll tell you what, Matt Ryan's having a horrible game. 
three picks. I mean, making too many mistakes and really is putting them in a position where they may be just almost out of this thing. And so uh, a horrible game for him. Good game right now for the Saints. Looks like Sean Payton's doing a good job of working the referees in this game, getting some calls to go to his benefit. But right now it's a bad home game for the Atlanta Falcons. John, what happened at the end of the half there with the field goal that was not? And I saw Payton just going crazy. Yeah, what ended up happening was that the the, uh, the guy lining up on the right side was not at the line of scrimmage, and so it was a legal formation, and the oh. way it was set, uh, there was no ability to stop the clock. And so he was trying to say that they should have stopped the clock if they're throwing the flag, but that wasn't the case the way it happened. And so he was going berserk, but the call was perfect because, again, the alignment was bad. It was an illegal formation because, again, they did not have enough guys at the line of scrimmage. And I thought Sean Payton was going to blow a fuse, man. Oh, it looked like he, it, you know, he was pretty bad on that. But he's been really, he's been working the refs the entire game. Hey, John, when you look at Jacksonville this year, you know, and you had Gus Bradley, for whatever reason, it didn't work. You know, it's not that they're that different of a team. There's a couple of players. But what do you think the biggest difference from last year to this year is? Uh, they're a little bit better on offense. I mean, uh, the, the big thing is, is that, and he realized it, this is a team that's been trying to be in transition for the last couple of years. It's been horrible for a long period of time. And so it needed one more draft to make it better. And so what ends up happening last year, they, get, they finally hit the draft that gets the defense right. Because you look at them statistically, they're among the six best defenses in football last year. A lot of it was, you know, they get Jalen Ramsey. You know, they get the good linebackers. Miles Jack was there. Malik Jackson goes to the defensive line. You know, they got the defense going, but the offense just didn't work out because of the quarterback, Blake Bortles. One of the things I know Gus was needing, and he said in training camp he needed it, was a little bit more leadership. And so what happens this offseason, they go get Calais Campbell. They go get Barry Church. Now they have those veteran leaders that get the young guys going right. What was happening last year is that they were good on defense, but when Blake Bortles would throw his pick six or fumble that's picked up for a touchdown, then the defense would start to go bad. Now they've got guys on the defense like Campbell, Church, and some others that will put the guys right and keep them mentally into the game. Professor, let's go over some injury updates. What do you got, both teams? Well, I mean, really, the, the big thing for the Jaguars is they're depleted at wide receiver. Allen Hearns remains out. He's been out for about a month right now. And you throw in Allen Robinson, their best receiver. And so they're two-thirds of their wide receiving cores. So all they basically have is Marquise Lee, and he's a little bit banged up. they got a couple little minor injuries on the offensive line, but they're better, better than they were a couple weeks ago. For Seattle, it's not too bad. I know there's a lot of guys that were missing practice today, but, you know, the Jimmy Graham is going to be back. Uh, you know, Ode Abushi is going to still continue to miss with the shoulder injury, but they have Ethan Posick out there playing right guard, so they're okay at that spot. Uh, you know, it still looks like there's a chance, just a chance that they could have Dion Jordan, which would be good for the defensive line. So overall, I think both teams go into this game reasonably healthy. One of the guys I love watching on Jacksonville's defense is Telvin Smith. And he, I th we talked to a guy in Jacksonville, I think he said on the defense, he's the only guy that's missed any time this year. They've been pretty lucky with that. But what, what is his status after today's practice? Yeah, he's been fighting some concussion problems in the last yeah. couple of weeks, but he should be fine. And, you know, he just signed a four-year, $44 million deal. And, wow. you know, even though he's a small type of linebacker, I mean, it fits what they want because, again, it fits what Seattle does because they, Seattle runs the same defense as Jacksonville. You want speed, and Telvin Smith has great speed. And so because of that, uh, you know, it looks like he should be okay, and it gives him a great 
ability in case of uh, any kind of running plays. They can chase guys down. Telvin Smith is one of the reasons. Hey, John, there's a Pro Bowl stuff that's coming up. Who do you think makes it from the Seahawks? Uh, Michael Bennett, and because, again, he's having a great year as far as inside pressures when he goes into the 4-3 and also outside. I mean, he's got seven and a half sacks. I think he can make it. Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. You know, a little bit of a battle on K.J. Wright because I think in the Pro Bowl voting right now by the fans, he's sitting there about ninth. Uh, as far as the secondary, you know, Cam Chancellor was number one, but of course he's not going to be able to make it because he'll finish the season on injured reserve. So nobody's going to make it in the secondary. On offense, it's kind of interesting. Russell Wilson will make it. Jimmy Graham will make it. Uh, outside chance of Justin Britt. He was a third Pro Bowl alternate last year. But, you know, right now in the fan voting, uh, Dwayne Brown, even though he's only played like four games this year, is sitting number seven. So he has an outside chance to be able to make it. So I think in the end, you know, they're probably going to have maybe, you know, seven or eight Pro Bowl players. Well, did you, you mentioned Dougie B, right? Doug Baldwin, And Doug Baldwin, right? yeah. Well, right now, Doug is below 10 in the voting, but you know he's among the 10 best wide receivers in football. Yeah. So he should be able to make it, too. All right, JC, before we let you go, we got your buddy. We got Quentin Jefferson yeah. getting ready to jump on with us. Well, we, you, you got to ask him, it's like, how does he feel about the Rob Gronkowski uh, suspension? Because he's got to be a little bit partial to that because Rob left his, uh, for his senior year living in Buffalo, moved to Woodland Hills. Uh, you know, And, of course, now the Buffalo fans have turned against him because he hurt a player on the Bills, and now they want him out. But uh, you got to ask him about uh, what he thinks about uh, that. And, you know, who's, it, it, what's he think about this year, Jeanette's chance of winning the WPIALs? All right, and then what, <laughs> he went to your high school, right? That's correct. Quentin, what's the name of the high school, JC? Woodland Hills. It was Churchill when I went there, but Woodland Hills. Steve Breston, the wide receiver from the, uh, we used to be in Arizona. He went there. Rob Gronkowski, pro uh, Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. Although Jason was probably the smartest of all of us because instead of going to class, he was homeschooled. He just played football Man, there. I'll tell you what that. That call or high school just puts out champions. Man, generates but, champions. But you were first, JC. You were the first champion to leave there. Right. Yeah, they we weren't too good back when I was after there. After he left. Oh, you you weren't good. There, it, it was always five and four with Barry Johncor. Well, Barry Johncor well, was the coach. We Even the professor will give you a high school football <laughs> update from the 1970s. Hey, Professor, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Talk to you tomorrow on the show, John Clayton from 10 to 12 p.m. Right, Monday through good. Friday. All right, that's the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, that's right, Quentin Jefferson, D-lineman from the Seattle Seahawks. He joins us right here. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly.